favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. Eight oh two on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff. The morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. If you're wondering why we're playing the What We Learn music at the start of hour three, it's because Ian Cole. That's right, Canucks defenseman Ian Cole is going to join us at eight thirty. First question for Ian Cole is: Are you related to Andy Cole? This interview is over. Can you imagine if he was, though? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Actually, I did some research. And... <laughs> Ian, you want to hook me up with some tickets? Uh, hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. Okay, uh, we're going to do our What We Learns first. Um, who's doing the Capitals one? I, I forget in the moment. You are. I'm going to do that one? Okay. Well, Washington Capitals, they're no longer the Washington Capitals. They're now the Virginia Capitals. <laughs> You they're know. not changing the name. Alexandria. Uh, they're moving, what is it, six miles away? <laughs> now, the interesting part of all of this is that Ted Leonsis declined to take questions from reporters after the announcement today. It's the Capitals and the Wizards that are both moving to Virginia. Did right? they actually announce it? The, he, there was or a, thought it was a report. They announced plans. They announced plans. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was, Building a, this there was entire... a, I can't call it a presser because he didn't take press questions. But uh, that's, again, this is not... Uh, it's kind of a big deal, but it's kind of not. Like, they're moving out of the places they've been for a long time, so there's that. But it's not like this is a relocation where they're going to rebrand and they're going to break out Virginia Cavaliers gear. Like, that's not going to happen. It's just they're moving I think buildings. people. I think people um, get confused a little bit when they hear, wow, you're moving from Washington, D.C. to Virginia? That's... It's like a it's like a 10-minute drive, right? It's, like, they went from Landover, Maryland, yeah. which is the state north of Washington, D.C., okay. to downtown D.C., Yeah, and now they're going a little bit south. And, like, a lot of... That's where a lot of people live. You've got audio on right? this, right? Um, we're going to play a little bit more audio. Uh, all due respect to Jason's geographical breakdown of the D.C. area and the corresponding states. But here's uh, the latest from the Wizards and the Capitals moving out of D.C. and moving to Virginia. All signs are now pointing toward the Washington Capitals and the Washington Wizards being moved from downtown D.C. to northern Virginia. As you mentioned off the top, 7 News can confirm a 9 a.m. event tomorrow at Potomac Yard in Alexandria, Virginia. Ted Leonsis, the majority owner of the Caps and the Wizards, will be there alongside Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin and Alexandria Mayor Justin Wilson. The belief is that there will be some sort of an announcement for the construction of a new arena that will be home to the Caps and the Wizards. Just yesterday, Virginia lawmakers voted to approve the plan for the construction of an 8 million square foot sports and mixed use campus at the Potomac Yard site. At the moment, the project still has to be approved by the Virginia General Assembly and Alexandria City Council. So a few things on this. Uh, we still don't know where the Washington commanders are going to move. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they might head to Virginia as well. We're but all going to Virginia. Bringing it back to the two teams that are almost definitely going to move to Northern Virginia. Uh, the Wizards are currently uh, 3-19. and Yet they're not the worst team in the NBA. Yeah. Detroit Pistons are... Two and twenty-one. The San Antonio Spurs are three and nineteen. But what's going to be interesting from this perspective, from a hockey perspective, is what are the Washington Capitals going to be once Ovi leaves that team? Like he has been that team for almost two decades now, and this kind of feels like an opportunity for the Caps to rebrand themselves once they move up because Ovi's not going to be on that team. When, when they move out of D.C. Yeah. I wonder if they'll hire him as general manager. <laughs> He's just been responsible for so much of their franchise value. Before Ovi came there, it was like they had that dalliance with Yermir Jager. I know they went to the final, but it was like half Red Wings fans. Peter Bondra. Peter Bondra. Yeah, it was like, yeah. and, they, and they were... Rod, um, Langway, the minister, Rod Langway, the Minister of Defense. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, the Caps were always like, they were a good team. Mm-hmm. They were never great. They never made it to the Stanley Cup final or they never won the Stanley Cup, but they were good in that Mike Patrick Gartner. division. Mike Gartner. Adam like that. Oates. Yeah, like they, they, they had Joe good Juno. teams and they had good attendance and then they totally fell off. And that's actually after they moved downtown. But then Ovi came along. And Ovi has been that franchise for so long. I just think it's going to be interesting to see what's next for that franchise. Because they got to start thinking about it now. I've, I've always felt like it's totally ridiculous to be like, well, these next two years are going to be about Ovi breaking the record. Like well, That's you what they are. But it, no, it can't be. It's, but it that's is. so stupid. Maybe it is for the fans, but behind the scenes, I think they need to be planning thing. 1,000% for the future. Otherwise, as soon as Ovi's gone, people are going to be like, yeah, I, I don't really care about that's hockey. That's why they're going to go sign Ethan Bear so they can set up Ovi in his office on the power play. <laughs> Everything's about Ovi right now. Mook out that. Uh, sticking with the NBA, because we mentioned the Washington Wizards there. Uh, so, good old Draymond Green was eligible to return from suspension. And he did so last night against the Phoenix Suns. And then he promptly got ejected and will get suspended again for, I can only be described as a the worst um, accidentally on purpose punch I think I've seen in pro sports. He hit the Suns forward, Yusuf Nurkic. Tried to make it look like he got tangled up with Nurkic and then yeah. was flailing about. I can't control my arms. Oh, they hit you right in the face. But one quick look at the video, and they're like, ooh, that's a punch. I'm just going to start punching air. Yeah, basically. You feel that air. <laughs> uh, now, the best part of this whole thing was we've reached the point in Draymond Green's ass hattery and clownery that people are starting to feel sorry for him. Like Yusuf Nurkic, here's the quote. This is after the game when he's talking about getting punched in the head by Draymond. I don't know, man. I was behind the play. What's going on with him? I don't know. Personally, I feel like that brother need help. (laughs) I'm glad he did not trying to choke me. But at the same time, it had nothing to do with the basketball. So we're at the point where guys are like, they're not even mad anymore. They're just like, he needs to get the help he, he needs, and we'll all be better for it. You read that verbatim, I'm assuming? Yeah, that was verbatim. Was I that? took some creative liberties, but the, <laughs> there were a couple. Uh, I feel like that brother need the help. That was all Yurkic. He mm-hmm. did that all on his own. Anyway, or Nurkic, sorry. Uh, anyway, it's it's gotten past the point of even being kind of funny and comical, although I guess we're bringing it up on the Halford and Bruff show, there's, so there's something to it. But like, he really can't play basketball. Anymore, mm-hmm. Draymond, he can't fit, you know, 
spurts and whatever. Flailing is the way you describe his game too, right? Yeah, and and desperately clawing to hang on. Well, and the the uh, Golden State Warriors are desperately hanging on, clawing on to whatever's left of their mm-hmm. their old selves because they're basically a, a five hundred. They're ten and sub, thirteen right yeah, now. Yeah, they're a sub five hundred basketball team. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, basketball Phil brought up the other day, is not playing well. Mm-hmm. It's really Steph Curry and then like the the remaining vestiges of their last championship team. Yeah, and it's not good. And it's not good. Anyway, Mukow, that. Dogs, you guys got anything today? All quiet on the dog A-Dog front. A-Dog had one. Yeah? And A-Dog's now staring daggers at Laddie. Yeah, he, he wants me to do one. it, I think. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember what it is. Yeah, okay. Um, but you'll have to help Laddie help me. Um, <laughs> it, okay. Good start. I, so, fa- I found the what we learned, but it's more of an A-Dog style. You know when moment. you're g- giving somebody a Christmas present <laughs> and you don't give it to them and your parents actually do it for you, and then you're like, could you just say it was from me so I look like I look good here? So your parents I, I buy it. I completely forgot about it. They so, write the card. Exactly. They wrap it That's for you. That's kind of you. the situation going on behind the scenes right now. I'm taking all the credit for it when really I did zero of the work and <laughs> I just feel bad. But Laddie was like, hey, dog, this sounds like a you what we learned. Just because my side job is somebody you know I work at, in the, the liquor industry. I work at a craft beer store. So. Yep. Um, anyways, um, apparently they're making uh, Doritos-flavored liqueur. Is that correct, <laughs> That's Laddie? correct. PepsiCo has entered a contract with Empirical, a Dutch-based company known for making weird booze. Yep. And their first spirit will be based off the nacho cheese flavor of Doritos. Yep. And, quote... It tastes just like the real thing. Oh, terrific. Uh, well, there you it go. It is a clear liquor, 84 mm-hmm. proof, so it's got that Doritos kick to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the best Doritos I've ever do you think? Do you think if you're by yourself drinking that on a Friday night, that is the rockiest bottom that ever has ever existed? I don't know. To me, that sounds like a great night. <laughs> no. He's, you can't. That's rock, that's rock bottom. Like, yeah, that is, you no one will ever be I hung out home and drank some uh, Doritos liqueur. Why? And just, get, just get wasted. Drink some Doritos. <laughs> you, you what? <laughs> oh, I have a terrible hangover. It oh, tastes God, like Doritos. Doritos liqueur. Yeah. Should have drunk that last bag. Wow, 65 uh, bucks a bottle. It's not cheap. So this, Who's their I, this better be the best well, Doritos liqueur I've ever this had. Is, this is obviously. Designed. I actually do have a question. Is yeah. there a Cool Ranch flavor? Not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yet being the here it is. Just don't hold your breath for a Cool Ranch follow up. Oh no. Well, the reviews are in, and shockingly, the Doritos liqueur is not a hit. <laughs> I, I'm surprised it's not, it's not actually in the states. I guess you could do like those really like when you wanted those attention grabbing cocktails that no one would actually. You order one and then you take a picture and put it on Instagram and then you never drink it again. Yeah, like those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But outside it's of a novel, that, it's a novelty cocktail. Yeah, sure. like what are you going to do if, again if you sit around and you're like routinely drinking Doritos? Mash or whatever the hell yeah. it is. It's my favorite drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I have a small. Uh, I have a. I have a little one. I have a tiny one. You tiny. Do. What we learned uh, that I thought of as uh, as soon as I read it, I thought of Bruff. Is it tinier uh, than my he, hat? Because Bruff loves his '80s movies. Yes. Uh, so this is right up your wheelhouse, Bruff. Uh, there apparently there's going to be a Beverly Hills Cop Four coming out on what? Netflix the summer of 2024, and the trailer releasing tomorrow. Oh, I'm excited for that then. Yeah, I hope Hills it's Cop good. Four. Eddie I Murphy, hope it's, of course, starts. They got to go back to like hard edge. But can Eddie Murphy do that anymore? I don't know. When was the last time? Like, it's crazy how he's gone from like he was, I mean, his, his, one of his comedy specials was called Raw. And it was yeah. like that suited what he was. Mm-hmm. 
as a comedian. This cast is incredible. Because the first Beverly Hills Cop was obviously amazing. The second one was fine. The third one was an absolute embarrassment. It took place at like uh, I think it was supposed smirched the name. No, it was yeah. And then they were like, and and that was like Eddie Murphy. And then all of a sudden he's doing mostly like kids movies and that sort of thing. I don't think I ever saw two or three, but I love I loved one. Two was okay. The third one was it took place at like an amusement park or something like that. I'm like, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So, But, but I just wonder if Eddie Murphy can get back to that role. So yeah. the the title of the film is actually Beverly Hills Cop colon Axel Foley, right? Oh, okay. So there's going to be a big focus on Eddie Murphy reprising his role as like Axel when was Foley. the last time he was like said a bunch of swears in a role? So no, right? Um, because he's done a lot of like Norbert movies, right? Yeah, a lot of kids movies. Too. <laughs> yeah, all right. Just put on the fat suit and don't swear. Um, Kev- Kevin Bacon, Joseph Kevin- Gordon Levitt, Judge Reinhold, yes. Bronson Pinchot. Nice. Better known well, as Well, he was Balky, in all the other right? ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He well, not all the other ones. He was in the, he was in the first one. I'm he ran gonna, the art gallery. I know, but not to be morbid, but I'm mostly surprised most of these people are alive. Paul Reiser, remember him? Yeah. yeah. Well, he was he's, he's he was in all these. That's right? what I'm like, saying. Yeah, yeah. He was he was so he was uh, Paul Reiser. Wasn't he his partner in Jeffrey, Detroit? Jeffrey Friedman. Yeah. Bronson Pinstrow was just the singular name Serge. Yeah. He was the he was the art gallery guy. Yeah. Wow. Fun times. Okay. 2024. All Axel right. Foley. Let's see it. Mark your calendars. Uh, fire up the dot matrix. You guys are done, right? Feels like you're done. You're doing Axel full. We can talk about the Doritos liqueur some more if you want. Um, what we learned humanoid edition is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit getfireplan.com. Oh, my God. We're having a fire plan. Real quick, we're, we're going to announce the winner right at the end of the show mm-hmm. after okay. Ian Cole. Uh, Paul, the x-ray guy, what we learned, even when they aren't on their feet, Bluger and Joshua don't give up. Both of them got knocked over on the forecheck and won puck battles while down. Love to see that from this team. Uh, Bluger's been really good. I've been I've been impressed with him. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I imagine he's going to be the 4C when Pew Suter is back. And Pew Suter could be back pretty soon. There's talk that he might even be able to play uh, tomorrow in the Florida game. And Dakota Joshua, who got some really tough love from Rick Tockett, yep. right away, mm-hmm. like at training camp, he was the guy that Rick Tockett was really not picking on, but just saying, like, he he's out of shape. And then he said that, you know, later on in the, when the season had started, he said, Dakota's got to pick it up. Well, Dakota has picked it up. He That third line... It's kind of frustrating sometimes because they lack some finish, and but that third line controls play, mm-hmm. and when they need to turn the momentum of the game, when they're like, oh man, we're getting pinned here, they get that third line out there, and more often than not, they're playing in the other end of the ice, and Garland, I know a lot of people, including myself, take issue with his shot, like he doesn't have a great shot, and it's one of the reasons why his shooting percentage is down. I don't think it's just bad luck with Connor Garland, like he doesn't have a very hard shot, and Dakota Joshua, you know, like his hands aren't always his best friends, but that line overall has been really good. So two things, one, the Rick Tockett uh, tough love hat trick, it works for Dakota Joshua, right? Worked for Nils Hoaglander. He's, so there's hope now. There's hope that the third is going to be Kuzmenko, right? He gets the tough love treatment, and he turns out, and he yeah. becomes a good story like Hoaglander and Joshua have. Second one, here's a question for you. Of all the offseason acquisitions, so Bluger, Lafferty, DeSmith, Cole, 
Susie. I won't count Zadorov because he was in season. And even Susie's kind of hard to tell because he hasn't played that much. Who's been your favorite so far? What's been your favorite acquisition of this, this managerial regime? We'll throw some flowers at him. Who's been your favorite? That's actually a really tough question because I don't think any one of them has stood out above the rest, but they've all been overall good. My answer is Ian Cole. The next guest on our show, I might add. Suck yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. No, I, he's, I, been, I, he's been the best acquisition. I, yeah. Oh, I, Lafferty. Lafferty's been good. He's been way, way better than expected. Yes. Like, well, I think miles better. I think it should be noted that Ian Cole has also been paired with I don't want to say like lesser players, but he's had to he's had to play with he hasn't been out he hasn't been paired with Quinn Hughes. He hasn't been paired much with Philip Hronick because those two guys have been together. So currently He's with uh, Noah Juleson. Yeah, the so cool, the Coulson pairing. So I want. I actually want to ask Ian Cole. Like, have you had any advice for Noah Juleson? What have you seen from Noah Juleson? Because this organization and this coaching staff, like, they like what Noah Juleson brings to the table. More and more, you're hearing it more and more. Yeah, they so, do like it. Um, and he, you know, the his uh, the other guys that he's played with, um, Tyler Myers. Um, and like he, he just he's been he's been given a pretty tough job, mm-hmm. and also to come in and be a major fixture on a PK that desperately needed to improve. So we'll talk to him about the PK as well because uh, it was good last night, and it was one of the keys to their victory. Um, Liam and Calgary. Speaking of keys to victory, what we learned, I learned that Brock Besser is the first Canuck player to score twenty goals before Christmas since. Well, Brock Besser. Seriously, though, he's been excellent all season. Him and Miller truly play off each other so well. And with how Hoaglander is playing, I certainly hope this is a line that can stick together for a while. The Brock Besser story is awesome. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Maybe the best story in the NHL this season. Maybe. It's up there for sure. I had it in my list of questions for Merrick, but we never got to it. But I, I mean, look at it. He was. You can go back and just Google Brock Besser trade. I mean, the agent was looking at it. They couldn't trade him because... He was trying he, his best. Ben Hankinson was trying he, his best. They couldn't he trade him couldn't because of the flat cap. They're like, what about Minnesota? He's from Minnesota. Bill Guerin, do you want to do this? He's like, yeah, I'll have to retain a lot of money. Um, but yeah, they couldn't get it done. Yeah. And now Minnesota he's a leading goal like, scorer. We got $50 million in dead cap. No, we can't take that contract. He's tied with Austin Matthews for the <laughs> NHL goal lead. And we're not at the game three of the season anymore. We're we're past the quarter mark. I like the type of goals he's scoring, too, because they're all sorts. Last night was a perfect example. Yeah, he did have one on a good shot. It was a one-timer. Quinn Hughes made a really nice play to, uh, I always hate saying this word because we're kids. He got penetration. <laughs> <laughs> went behind, see, we went, he went behind the net, got penetration, went behind the net, and yep. then fed Brock Besser for the one-timer. But the other one was just, it was a loose puck in front of the net, and he just swatted it in on the backhand. Can I also say, Besser leads the NHL with four empty net goals, right? How about his first miss when he put it over the bar? He was trying like, to... What are you doing, Brock? Are you going top corner there? Jeez, what are you the doing? The bar down? Yeah. And then I'm Hoag- feeling it, boys. And then Hoaglander picked up the puck, and he's like, I'm not giving it back to you. You already had a chance at it. Um, you know, there used to be a stigma around empty net goals, but I, you know what? Now, you're the closer, right? You're the finisher. You put the nail in the coffin. They're going to be coming all over us everywhere on the ice. There got to be a better way to say that. But yeah, getting those empty net goals, good on you, Brock Besser. He's got four. Kyle, uh, Kyle Connor, who won't be adding to that total anytime soon, he's got three. I got one here from uh, Tambo, my good buddy Tambo in East Van. This collides the worlds of NBA and NHL. Uh, hashtag WW, what we learned. I learned that after Nikola Jokic was ejected last night for arguing a non foul call, the NBA referees actually had to answer the media afterwards. 
as to exactly why he got tossed from the game. It sure would be nice if post-game NHL refs had to do the same thing. Yeah, so the issue last night was that Jokic got tossed on his first technical. He didn't get a second tee. Right. He got teed up, and then because he was using, quote-unquote, foul language towards the referees, they made the decision to toss him. Do they give him two technicals then? They just threw him out. Oh, they okay. didn't actually go through the physical, like, making the tee twice. Right. It's like, that's the technical and you're out. So mm-hmm. they tossed him. Um, if you listen to, like, Mike Malone, the head coach of the Nuggets talk, he's like, that. there's no way. Like, foul language is being pretty ambitious for what he said. Right. The interesting thing was that Bulls fans were actually upset that he got tossed because you they know, want to see him. Yeah, they're like, we paid good money for these seats and these tickets. Like, I mm-hmm. want to see the NBA MVP and an NBA champion play. I don't want to see him get tossed. Jokic was very diplomatic afterwards. <laughs> the Bulls are like, we're 9-16. and 16. Right. Let's see some players at least. Yeah, I'm tired of watching Zach Levine. Like, let me watch. <laughs> and Zach Levine's good, but let me watch. Uh... Anyway, it was a... It, the one nice thing about the NBA is they do take... Uh, referee accountability seriously, at least publicly. They put the front up there, right? There's always going to be refereeing problems in every sport, but they have like the two-minute report and they make their uh, referees answer a pool reporter afterwards that Mm -hmm. takes the collective questions. So there's some transparency there. Uh, Patrick, who signs his name, making kids happy and a little fatter because he says he sells ice cream. What we learned, the Canucks are going to... Clean up all the awards. Hughes for Hart and Norris. Demko for Vesna. Petey for Lady Bing. Talking for Jack Adams. And Besser for the Masterson. Well, what about Besser for the Rocket Richard? Yeah. He's tied with... Don't aim so low. No offense to the Masterson. Come on, Patrick. Why are you selling everyone short? Do we call you the Masterson? Masterton. Masterton. Yeah. (laughs) The Canucks are... like Wish put out his... uh, And we talked to Wish about this. His awards watch at the quarter mark of the season. It was like all Canucks. Yeah. Well, and understandably. It's so crazy the start that they're off. The one of the one, one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough is all the times that they've won in regulation. And we mentioned it earlier in the show. No team in the NHL has more regulation wins than the Canucks. They've got 18. They've only won one in overtime or the shootout. Yeah. I was know, how many do the Leafs have? Like seven? Oh, regulation, regulation wins? wins. Have they yeah, even got like, up to seven yet? Oh, I think they are, yeah. I mean, they're low on that. Yeah. I mean, they won is, last night to beat the Rangers. Right, 7-3. Yeah, yeah they've got not. they've got eight regulation wins. They've got 15 wins overall, but only eight in regulation. Have they, the they Canucks can, gone to a shootout this year? I know I should know this off the top of my head. but or have it, I, Well, they lost in overtime to the Rangers. I know. That's when, what I'm saying. I think the all ref, the... I can't remember any other... Come on, listeners. Help yeah, us out. I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners know. Yeah. Or we uh, can ask Ian Cole. Ian Cole's going to join us next. Um, Canucks defenseman. Um, remember when we were discussing the definition of the word journeyman and some people were like, it's kind of an insult. And I was like, no, I don't think it is. It's like a guy that you trust. Um, yeah. Ian Cole is on to his seventh NHL team. It's awesome. Uh, or is it eight? Seventh or eighth. Uh, it's the first time he's played for a Canadian team. So we'll talk to him about why he chose Vancouver. What's it been like? playing in a Canadian market. He won a couple Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he played on teams that were either on the verge of winning the Stanley Cup in Colorado or had already won a few Cups in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we'll talk to him about like what those teams have that he can communicate to the Canucks that they need. Ian Cole, sorry. The number is eight, by the way. St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Colorado, Columbus, Minnesota, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and now 
Vancouver, eight teams for Ian Cole. Ian Cole coming up next on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Canucks defenseman Ian Cole is going to join us in just a moment here. The highlight of Hour 3. Uh, hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Wait a minute. The hi- the highlight of hour three was not our preview of Beverly Hills Cop 4? No. Oh. It is definitely our next guest. He oh, okay. joins us now, fresh off a 4-1 victory over one of his former teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, joining us now, Canucks defenseman Ian Cole here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Ian. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Uh, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. Uh, let's start with the immediacy. Last night's game, uh, good win over the Tampa Bay Lightning, your team's third in a row. Perhaps most importantly, a perfect PK, three for three against a pretty good outfit in Tampa Bay. Uh, give us your thoughts on the game and how well the penalty kill performed. Um, yeah, well, I think the game was good. Um, obviously, be a team like that who can create a lot and make things happen every time they touch the puck. Uh, I think it was... Uh, it was a good, good game for us in that sense. Um, PK was good. Yeah, I think I've been trending in the right direction there. Um, I, I personally think that we're better than our percentage. Um, I think there's been some unfortunate things that have gone on uh, with PK, but you know, for the most part, I think we've done a really, a really pretty good job all season. So, um, you know, hopefully we're kind of seeing that uh, that percentage hopefully catch up to where I believe what level we're at. I believe we're at. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a good one for sure. What are, this is a very broad question, but what are some of the, the keys to the penalty killer to the penalty kill for, for a, for a player like you? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's a long um, list. I know. Yeah. 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 We'd be out here for an hour. So. <laughs> um, but the, um, but I mean, I think ultimately what it comes down to is, is getting the puck back and getting clears, right? You're, you're a man down against other teams, five best players. So, um, you know, a lot of times that ends up being your execution needs to be really good. And if you sit in your zone for an extended amount of time, there's a good chance they're going to soar. So being able to get pressure, get pucks, get clears um, is it, huge. And I thought that was one aspect that we did a, did a good job with last night. Is it hard to figure sometimes when to kind of go for the turnover because sometimes if you get too aggressive against some of these good teams, they're like, they almost welcome the pressure and then they'll find the open man. And then you're, then you look, it looks like you're running around. Right. No, you're, I mean, you're absolutely correct. Um, and you want to pressure, you want to take away time and space. You know, that being said, they have an open guy somewhere, right? Maybe two. So, um, you know, a guy like, for instance, like he'll welcome that pressure. He wants you to come at him. So you 
want to pressure him because you don't want to give him time and space, but you also don't want to run um, if he's able to, uh, you know, because he'll, he'll make plays through you, he'll make plays to open guys, and he's done it for years. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a balance there. You try to weigh those things as best as you can, and you're, you know, you're making reads and making decisions, uh, you know, in, 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 you know, small portions of seconds, and you're, like, hoping, all, you're hoping they're good ones. We're speaking to Canucks defenseman Ian Cole here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, Ian, I mentioned that uh, you played Tampa Bay last night, one of your former teams. You had seven stops prior to coming to Vancouver. This is your eighth, but this is the first time that you've ever played in Canada. Now, you're 29 games into it. It's only been a few months. I know you had a bit of the summer in training camp as well, but uh, early returns, early thoughts on playing in a market where hockey is very, very, very clearly number one. Yeah, no, I mean, I, listen, I, I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, the team's doing well. Uh, we're winning hockey games. Um, so things have been going well uh, on the hockey front. You know, Vancouver's a fantastic city to be in. Um, everyone here has been so welcoming and fantastic uh, to me and, and our family. And um, so, uh, in multiple facets, it's, it's been great. Um, you know, I, I understand the you're in a bit of a pressure cooker, you know, things can change very quickly. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, but, but so far it's been good. Uh, you obviously spent time in the Pittsburgh organization with approximately two thirds of the Canucks front office <laughs> and a coaching staff. Actually, now that I think about it, um, your time in Pittsburgh with Rutherford and talk and et cetera, how much did that play into the decision to come to Vancouver? Well, there's, there was definitely some familiarity there and, um, you know, but, with Jim and talk and, you know, obviously them playing with some of the guys as well. And, you know, Siri Goncher are helping out with the D and, you know, knew Adam foot a little bit uh, through his son, Cal and, and through our, our agency. Um, you know, I mean, I, the quality of people that are here, uh, you know, I, I think are absolutely fantastic. So um, just the, the, how successful they are in the hockey realm, but also outside of that, um, you know, it was, you know, when they, when the option, kind of came on the table it was uh it was one that i really really uh really felt was a was a great option for me and 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 moving here and the hockey opportunity but then being around those people uh just in general was uh was huge for me this is a question that came in from a listener so i can't take credit from it but it, for it but i think it's a good one what's the difference between rick tockett the assistant coach and rick tockett the head coach you know um that is a great question so, I don't know. I think sometimes when, when coaches can become head coaches, assistants become head, I should say, they, you know, try to, like, they try to be more of a head coach. Right, right. Right? And you Which, can like, see I, it. I, I, yeah. I get it, right? You're the boss. You're the captain. Nick, the buck stops with you. I, I get it. But I'll say, man, like, like talk has been like talk is still approachable. Like he will talk to anyone, anytime he'll talk through any play. You know, he has no problem guys coming to his office either with requests or, uh, you know, just questions or, or whatever. So in terms of that, like talk is, is one of the most genuine, like hard on his sleeve, say what he means, honest guys. And, um, but he, but he's still approachable, which I think is a really kind of unique balance there. And, you know, he's very demanding, you know, he's, uh, I mean, you know, you hear him, you know, when he talks to us or his press conferences and he's like, 
yeah, this guy had a hat trick, but like he could still be a lot better in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, which I think you know is not necessarily a bad thing. Like he'll acknowledge the good stuff and he'll say, "Hey, that was a great play or a great game or a great shift or whatever." Um, but he'll hold you accountable for the things that you know aren't quite perfect. And um, you know we all realize we're never gonna you know probably meet perfection. Um, but having that expectation that things should always be better uh, is a good thing. But he does it in a very approachable um, and you know, not like kind of demeaning way. Um, so, you know, I think he's a, he's a fantastic coach, fantastic guy. And, and from him being going from assistant to head, it really hasn't been uh, too much of a change in terms of how he treats the players, which is, uh, which is really unique and, and really great and speaks to, speaks to him. We're speaking with Canucks defenseman Ian Cole here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Ian, you won a couple of Stanley Cups with the Penguins, and you played on teams that were either on the verge of winning the Cup in Colorado or had already won a few Cups in Tampa Bay. Now, obviously, those teams all had elite talent, but what else does it take beyond the elite talent to winning the NHL? And have you been able to kind of share some of those lessons with your new teammates? Yeah, I mean, um, and that's one that, you know, you mentioned elite talent, you know, I think about our team and we obviously definitely have that definitely check that box. Right. Um, But there's a, in all these organizations I've been in, there's been a culture of winning for, an extended amount of time, um, either before or after or during. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, this team is the young players aren't so young anymore. I mean, they're certainly not old, um, but they've gotten to a point where guys are like tired of losing. Um, and we came into this season uh, as a team with the expectations that, hey, we're, we need to turn this around. We need to turn this around right now. Um, so I can't say enough, you know, great things about the you know, young leadership Michael. on this team um, and how determined and driven they were to change the, you know, not just the narrative, but just kind of the overall feel going to the rink and, hey, we're going to expect to win hockey games. Hey, if we're tied or we're up by a goal, like we're going to close this game out. We're not going to, um, you know, falter or let a team back in the game. And yeah, sure, you know, that happens, but it's not going to be a consistent thing. We're going to, we're going to win these games. Um, so having that mindset that, that we are a winning team, we are going to win, um, has been, uh, has been great here so far. And and it's certainly a staple of all those teams that, that have that, um, you know, that kind of that winning pedigree. What have you seen from Quinn Hughes as a captain? Like we see what he does on the ice and we see him in interviews and he's, he's, I mean, he speaks well, but I would probably describe him as more soft-spoken, um, you know, you've played with some of the best leaders in the NHL. Um, what have you seen in Quinn as a captain? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, not every captain needs to be, you know, loud and boisterous, one or two, you know, extremely, you know, wordy, whatever. Um, he's He lets his play do a lot of the talking in the sense of he is a uh, – you know, he's a kind of a, a more quiet leader, but, but he always does. You know, he's always striving to get better. He's always out there working on his game. He's always, he has zero hesitation to say stuff in the locker room. Um, you know, listen, and, and, and that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of parallels to the different leaders that I played with. And, you know, but I mean, you look at a guy like Sidney Crosby, who, you know, he's not overly wordy in the media. He kind of 
he says his piece, he gets to the point, and he, and he gets it done with. Maybe that's a product of doing media every single day. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, he hates uh, us. Um, which which I don't very much does. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think there's only so many things you can say about, you know, the, the game of hockey. But um, I don't know. But uh, but listen, like these guys who are elite talents, right, they, they bring guys along by – they play their game. They're so elite at it. They're constantly working on it. They're constantly trying to get better. Um, and as a as a teammate, you can't help but see that and think, "Well, I need to I need to improve. I need to get better." Um, and then on top of that, right, whatever they say carries a ton of weight. So when they do talk and when they do make a point, um, it, it's very well received. So you grew up in Ann Arbor, but you played your college hockey at the University of Notre Dame. Um, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but were the Wolverines not interested or something? <laughs> you know what? They were. Uh, they were just, uh, at the time, uh, they were offering me a half scholarship or, or partial money. And um, my dad, uh, you know, I saw kind of how it worked out. I got a, a scholarship offer from Notre Dame, like sophomore year of high school. Um, they were the first ones to offer me. But I sat on it for about a year. Uh, and in that meantime, I had scholarship offers from pretty much anywhere else in the country I wanted to go. Um, you know, I committed to the U.S. national team. I was a good hockey player. Um, but Michigan was kind of the one lone wolf who was like, eh, we'll give you a half scholarship. We'll give you a <laughs> and my dad was like, uh, yeah, I'm not paying for you to go, to go to school where you can go anywhere else you want to go for free. So <laughs> pick somewhere else. So do you cheer for the Wolverines now or, or do you kind of cheer against them? They got a big football game coming up against Alabama. Yeah, listen, I mean, I grew up going to every Michigan sporting event. Like my dad went to Michigan. My sister went to Michigan. Um, we uh, went to every football game, every hockey game, basketball game. So, I mean, listen, I, I love Michigan. I grew up with Michigan. Yeah, I love Notre Dame more. I hope Notre Dame wins every single time they play in any sport. Um, but, for instance, when Michigan plays Ohio State, like I still hate Ohio State way more, or Michigan mm-hmm. State. So I'm uh, I am fully on board. I hope Michigan does well. Um, all my buddies from back home, uh, pretty much all of them went to Michigan. So uh, you know, I I hope Michigan does well. I grew up with them. I love them still. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, I kind of defected there, got out of town, and, <laughs> and went two and a half hours down the road. We're speaking to Connects defenseman Ian Cole here on the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Ian, I wanted to ask you about, uh, of all the guys that you've played with, the one right now, Noah Juleson, because he's got a lot of praise from the coaching staff lately, particularly Rick Tockett. I referred to him as a sponge yesterday. He meant it in a good way, not in a bad way, just so we're clear. But, um, you know, it's a guy that at 26 is starting to get those first-time NHL reps to being a regular, playing more, being trusted with more, and you get to play with him on um, how do you go about, you know, trying to mentor, but also play with and be a teammate and also, you know, nurture a guy like that who's at a stage of his career where he's trying to be a full-time NHL defenseman really for the first time? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to kind of try to help mentor and help bring along, you know, quite a few young defensemen. And, um, you know, I think that there's, you know, there's a balance there. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to go into that, you know, relationship thinking I know everything. I'll tell you exactly what to do in every situation. Right? There's a feel, um, you know, there's a play selection for every different player that's going to work for one player, but not for another. Like Quinn Hughes can skate his way out of pretty much any trouble he could ever find himself in, and like I'm not going to. So I need to make sure that I put myself in a good spot 
with reads and execution um, that I know, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do 18 cutbacks and skate away from somebody, right? So, you know, with Jules, it's about kind of narrowing down that play selection. Hey, what works for him in in, in those certain situations? And then being uh, as a teammate and as a partner accessible to talk through those things and and figure out kind of what works and what doesn't, um, making sure our reads are are coherent and on the same page. Um, and then just, you know, hey, telling them, hey, man, that was great. Do that more. Hey, let's, let's fix this a little bit and, and let's kind of focus on doing that or, or, or whatever the case may be. So, listen, Jules, is, he's been playing great for us. He's done a great job. You know, he's young. You know, he's not necessarily inexperienced because he's an older older guy, but he's just in the NHL. He's a little bit more inexperienced. But, you know, it's in terms of just talking through things, getting on the same page, making sure our reads are good. Um, he's been, uh, you know, his, his development has been exponential since he's been here. So, um, I guess that speaks to him being a sponge. So that's, 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 I think that's accurate. Ian, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. You got, you got practice today. The coach isn't giving you guys another day (laughs) off, so you got to get back to work today. Uh, and then good luck tomorrow against the Florida Panthers. And then you guys head out on the road for four games in six nights. Thanks for uh, joining us this morning. Yep, yep. Thanks for having me, fellas, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. That's Ian Cole, Canucks defenseman here on the Halford & Brushton on Sportsnet 650. Um, so we kind of knew, like, going into this, that Cole Cole's great. I've I've heard from Cal, and he's played in, honestly, one-third of the NHL cities. So yeah. there's a lot of different writers that have dealt with him. And, like, universally, like, great guy, great talker, really insightful. Thoughtful. Certainly lived up to the billing there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... That is, and that's honestly, when you talk about um, what you need to add to a team, and we've in the past bristled and scoffed at the idea, you don't pay for intangibles and you don't pay for things that aren't being quantified by pure raw metrics, right? But there is something to be said for someone that's been around and seen the -hmm. kind of things that Ian Cole has seen. You got to remember, he won a pair of Stanley Cups back-to-back in Pittsburgh around some pretty good players, right? Crosby. Malkin, Latang. Yeah. Then he went to Colorado. Makar, <laughs> McKinnon, <laughs> Landeskog. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Tampa Bay. Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman. Like he knows he, what a winning culture he just, looks like. You know, he knows what, what elite talent looks like when it's cooking. Mm-hmm. He knows what good looks like. That's a big part of this. It might sound stupid, but some people don't know what good looks like. They think they know what good looks like. And they think they know what winning looks like. But until you've been around the best of the best, and that is, I mean, that was a laundry list that I just rattled off there. It's not like you gain something by osmosis or anything, but you know what excellence looks like. You know what winning in the playoffs looks like. You you just, you've seen it. Proof, I, I use proof of concept. It's like when you think you look really good in the mirror, then you go out and see someone who's actually attractive. Exactly. And you're like, damn. Like, I am yeah, nowhere close to yeah. that. I am a monster. Yeah. <laughs> I got to stop wearing running shoes with everything. Uh, Let's give away the uh, wrestling tickets. Uh, Congratulations to Carson, the marketing teacher, who sent in what we learned for, (laughs) he's calling it Fright Night because we screwed that up, Friday Night Smackdown tickets. Uh, Carson writes, Canucks hockey is fun again. And even if the wheels fall off this season at some point, that's still a type of fun that we're used to. You guys are fun. Wrestling is fun. Can I borrow a feeling of fun? Honestly, that this is what we've been waiting for. I don't think any of us even expected us. None of us expected it to get off to the start that 
the Canucks have. It is incredible. If you take a moment and remember what Ian Cole said, like when he got to the team, he could sense like these guys are tired of losing. Yeah. They're tired of it all mm-hmm. and they want to turn it around. They have got multiple members of the organizations, players, executives, coaches that are going to be in the running for awards if this trend keeps up. They have the most regulation wins in the NHL. They have the highest goal differential in the NHL. And this is from a team that, for the last few years, fans, including us, watched with a level of disdain because we looked at them and said, these guys don't know how to win. Unserious hockey team. They didn't know how to win. They don't know what they're doing. And it is so nice to watch games like we watched last night against Tampa Bay. And they had a tough start. They gave up a goal a minute and 25 seconds in, but they didn't hang their heads. They just got back to work. They realized that, yeah, sometimes things don't go your way within a game and you have to battle back and you have to do things the right way. Mm. They battle back. They tie it uh, in the first period on a goal by Kuzmenko. Then the second period, they dominate. And Brock Besser, one of the best stories in hockey, scores a couple times. And they take that lead into the third period, and they protect it. Like a real professional hockey team yes. that protects leads and is comfortable playing in those types of situations. It, is being, it has been so refreshing to watch this team. And they've really put themselves in a position where you can expect them to make the playoffs. And if they don't, it is going to be one hell of a story. Uh, kudos to JD the Jerk for pointing out that, once again, my math is not the strongest. I was told there would be no math. Uh, eight of 32 teams that Ian Cole has played for is more like a quarter. And by oh, okay. more like, it's exactly, I think. Well, right? Robin Surrey pointed out that I said that all the other leagues besides the NBA have 32 teams, when in fact, Major League Baseball only has 30 teams. So we, we all make them. mistakes. But you know what? The key is you bounce back from your mistakes. You recognize that during a show, you're going to make mistakes and you don't go into a shame spiral. We need an error segment at the end of the show. It might, <laughs> might be too long. I like that. Be I, was say, I like the deep, the cut, file. deep cut Simpsons reference by Bruff right there. That's not overlooked that here. What's that? The shame spiral. Oh, yeah. I, well, I didn't even know that was a Simpsons reference. Yeah. That's just a my life reference. <laughs> the shame spiral. Uh, one text yeah, brought, brought up a good point that Ian Cole himself sounds like a head coach. Like he talks like a coach. I feel like he will have a future in either hockey broadcasting or hockey coaching. Yes. Yeah. Seems like it's a, a bit of a lock. Okay. Uh, we got a day here in Vancouver, and it'll be Roberto Luongo morning. Here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. There's also a game tomorrow night as well. So there's a lot to get into. For today, though, we got to say farewell. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie wearing the tiny hat. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.